0: hey how's everybody doing hotel hey this is michael m hotel founder of the african history network host of the african history network show uh it is saturday may 10th i'm sorry saturday march 10th 2018 saturday march 10th 2018. these years going by quickly um so hope everybody's doing well well look i wanted to uh come on and talk about uh a couple of uh, topics you've seen some of the articles uh, that I posted dealing with this topic uh, dealing with the film Black Panther dealing with the film Black Panther and it breaking uh, one billion dollars worldwide so I want to test the audio here and make sure everything's all right dealing with this topic. okay so it's uh audio's okay all right so uh, posters information On your Share this information on your uh, Facebook page, invite your friends to tune in also, all right? Let me post the uh, information here on the thread of the broadcast. And uh, follow us on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, all right? So you see I have one of my Black Panther T-shirts on. I have two, I'm about to buy a couple more. Got these uh, from a couple of African-American vendors here in Detroit. So... The film Black Panther broke, uh, $1 billion, uh, worldwide this weekend. We'll talk about that. Then also you have an initiative. Uh, I talked about this a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, called Wakanda the Vote, Wakanda the Vote. And this is a initiative to register people, especially African Americans to vote at the movie theaters. Okay. Uh, we'll talk some about that as well. And then uh, I also want to deal with this story from Black Enterprise Magazine about this African-American uh, business owner who sells African attire, African garb. And she talks about how she's seen her business go through the roof because of the film Black Panther. And then we'll do an overview of a uh, of an online uh, course that I teach called Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the maafa understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach me in school. <coughs> OK, so because a lot of people are being inspired by the film Black Panther. They want to know more Ancient about Kemet African Moore, history, etc. OK, and that's what we do here at the African History Network. So follow our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, the African History Network. All right. OK, so uh Will Packard was just interviewed on. um the TV show Sister Circle Live that comes on TV one. Uh it was on 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time now, it's on 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. And Will Packer was talking about, you know, Will Packer uh he directed the film Girl Trip, a uh, Girls Trip. Uh he directed um uh he helped uh, I think produce um Roots Reimagined also for the history channel on A and E. But he talks about how hard it is to get a film made as an african-american film director okay tyler perry has said the same thing and one of the things that they talk about in um when you have african-american films uh one of the drawbacks that the one of the objections to predominantly african-american cast that the studios will give they'll say these movies don't sell well overseas these movies don't do well overseas okay and oftentimes they feel that they have to add more white people to the cast or in the case, for instance, the film 12 Years a Slave, which was about Solomon Northrop, Right. And this is based upon a true story. Solomon Northrop was a free, uh, free African-American man living in free territory during slavery. He's captured, stripped of his freedom, a strip of his freedom papers taken into a Southern state and sold into slavery. And he's in slavery for 12 years and he's able to uh, escape and get to freedom, reunite with his family. This is a true story, okay? Solomon Northrop is his name. Well, when they were marketing the film overseas, it was either Spain or Italy, one of, one of these European countries. Um, the posters that had the different characters in the film, right? The posters had the white characters at the forefront and they had the character of Solomon Northrup, who is the central character of the film. They had him pushed to the background because the studios make the argument. These films with a predominantly African-American cast don't sell well overseas. Well, Black Panther has broken that myth, totally destroyed that. You do 20 million in China on opening day. That's unheard of. So if you look at this article. Okay, so uh, okay, yeah, Tanika, you're, you're listening on Crowdcast, but I'm also broadcasting on Facebook Live. All right, so, um, all right, so it it it, it beat it, it was it was behind um, the 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 only four day weekend opening. That beat Black Panther was uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Um, and uh, that was, uh, that did $288 million in 2015. Now, the international success of Black Panther has challenged the myth that films with a predominantly African American cast don't sell. Okay. It's challenged the myth that films with a predominantly African American cast do not sell. And if you go back, if you've heard me talk about this before, um when you had the film uh Panther that came out back in the 1990s i think that was around 96 that the film Panther came out and um that was with um um that w- that was directed by uh Melvin Van Peebles and Mario Van Peebles right i saw an interview with them and they talked about how when they were shopping the idea so the film Panther is about the Black Panther Party for self defense okay and what happened to them, the founding of it, what happened to the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. Um, I saw an interview that they did, and they talked about how when they were shopping the film around to different studios, right, to see which uh, studio would uh, actually uh, produce the film, um, one of the studios suggested that they create a white Black Panther. Because they were saying, well, you need to have, you know, a white hero uh, in the film to draw people to the box office. And they were explain, explaining, explaining well, where there, there were no white heroes. The heroes, you know, are the Black Panthers. OK. But one of one of the studios wanted them to create a white Black Panther. So you have. So this has been going on for some time in um, in Hollywood. When you look at the film Red Tails, that was from George Lucas, George Lucas, who created Star Wars, right? Um, George Lucas spent 90 million, approximately 90 million dollars of his own money to make that film and market the film because the studios didn't want to do it. And when you when you research the film Red Tails, so Red Tails was about the Tuskegee Airmen, OK, during World War II, uh, these African-American fighter pilots. When you research that film, George Lucas talks about how he had been trying to get that movie made since the 1980s. But the studios didn't want to make it. They didn't want to finance the film. So finally, he just said, OK, he had the money. He did it himself. He financed it basically himself and he he he, he spent a lot millions of dollars to market the film. But he said the drawback that the studios gave was that there are no white heroes in the film Red Tails. And we know. Um, Red tail star Terrence Howard. Okay, He was one of the stars of that film, Terrence Howard from Empire. And George Lucas said, well, the the heroes are the black fighter pilots. There were no white heroes. Okay, But this is the these type of barriers that we have to deal with when we deal with these movies in Hollywood. And these are the hurdles they have to jump through. Okay, So a lot of times people who. Make the argument: People who are, who don't make movies, people who are not directors, people who are not in that industry, they sit on the sidelines and they criticize. Well, why they do this? Why they leave that out? Why they do this? Why they do that? Okay, um, uh, they, they they don't understand the game that has to be played in Hollywood. Okay, so the other thing is is that um, when you look at the film. Um, from Nate Parker, The Birth of a Nation, okay? Which deals with the Nat Turner Rebellion of 1831, all right? Now, I did a lecture dealing with, uh, I did a lecture dealing with the film, number one. And I researched the history of the Nat Turner Rebellion of 1831. But I also read Nate Parker's book, okay? And I think I have it here, it's right here. Let's see if I can grab it quickly. So a lot of people don't know, Nate Parker wrote a book uh, about the making of the film The Birth of a Nation, which is about the Nat Turner Rebellion, okay? It's called The Birth of a Nation, Nat Turner and the Making of a Movement, edited by Nate Parker. Now, this book is the official tie-in to the movie The Birth of a Nation about the Nat Turner Rebellion. So a lot of times people were criticizing the film and they were saying, well, why didn't they deal with this in the film? Why didn't they deal with that? But when you research the making of a film, Nate Parker only had 27 days to shoot that film. He only had, he deals with this in the book and I saw interviews where he talked about this. He only had 27 days to shoot that film, okay? So he had to condense all this stuff down into that. And there was one point, there was one scene where the film was about to be wiped out because they were, they had to shoot this scene um they only had a certain amount of daylight it was it was about to start raining there were storm clouds it was about to start raining and if it rained the equipment could get damaged etc they would not have been able to shoot the film the insurance company that Protected the investment from his investors because he got, he raised about $10 million to make this film. All right. The insurance company was on the set. And if they couldn't shoot this film, then the film would be over. They, they, they would like default on the agreement or something like that. When you read this book, he deals with this, right? And he said they basically prayed, he said they prayed this storm away. But these are some of the things that we have to go through when we make these films. Now that film, he made it independently, but Nate Parker had to get investors. And if I remember correctly, he had some white investors, some of his friends. Even though it was an independent film, he had to get investors. He didn't put up $10 million of his own money. But these are some of the things that we have to go through to get these films made. So oftentimes when people criticize these films, right? One, they usually haven't made any. They they may have made the independent. Film a documentary, something like that. You had to, you didn't make a, a Hollywood film, and many of them don't know what you have to go through to make these Hollywood films. All right, okay. So uh let's continue here. All right, now what I did was I shared the information because we'll, we'll also do an overview of the online course that I teach. Um, uh, um, um. Ancient Kim at the Moors and the Mahapa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they did teach you in school. All right. So I'll post a link here. You can register for that online course. We'll talk about it some as well. Uh, that's a seven session, 14 hour online course that I teach. OK. And it's all on demand. There's 20 hours of bonus content because a lot of people are looking for where can I find more information about African history, et cetera. But that's what we do here at the African History Network. All right. I'm the founder of the African History Network created this platform. We have 1 million followers here on our fan page. Okay, so the international success of Black Panther has challenged the myth that films with predominantly Black cast don't sell, and it helps unravel, a, quote, unwritten Hollywood rules, end quote. Jeff Bach, a senior analyst at entertainment research Uh, at the entertainment research film Exhibitor Exhibitor Relations told the New York Times. He said, quote, I think about it like a wall crumbling. I think about it like a wall crumbling. In terms of Black Panther, no studio can say again, oh, black movies don't travel overseas. Interest will be minimal. Okay. If you look at the film that debuted this weekend, it looks like it's going to be in the number two slot. Okay." Um, a wrinkle in time. Okay. Director Ava Duvernay. All right. And when you look at boxofficemojo.com, uh, you look at the article from boxofficemojo.com, it looks like based upon projections, it'll come in at the number two slot between 32 to 35 million dollars this weekend. Black Panther once again will be number one for the fourth straight weekend. Well, this film. And I've seen one interview with the, 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 um, the, 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 the little girl that stars in it. Well, she's a teenager, she's about 14, named Stormy. Uh, I saw an interview on Sister Circle Live, um, that they did with her. Um, this is the, uh, first time an African American female director has had a budget of $100 million for a film. This film, A in Time. It's from Disney also. Okay. So if you want to support that film, go ahead and you know support if you want to support that film, support that as well. All right. So um, so the article goes on to say stars of the film, Black Panther, including Chadwick Boseman, Lupita Nyong'o and uh, Danny Guerrero, have spoken out about the importance of representation in the movie. Black Panther, which is set in the fictitional country of Wakanda, shows the possibilities of an African society untouched by colonialism and gender inequality. Okay, not only were they untouched by colonialism, they were never enslaved either. All right. They weren't enslaved by Arabs, because the Arab slave trade predated the transatlantic slave trade, the European slave trade, right? Arabs Arabs were enslaving Africans about a thousand years before the transatlantic slave trade started, with the Portuguese and the Spanish and then the, you know, the French and the Germans and the British, things like this. So Africa, so and you and you research Dr. John Henry Clark. He talks about this and other scholars as well. They talk about how the monumental effort and resources that it took to fight the against the Arab slave trade of African people, especially in East Africa, it weakened Africa when it came to fighting against the European slave trade and European encroachment. All right, now Marvel Studios. Um, okay, so. Uh, I think there's a thirst for these images. Um uh, Chadwick Boseman told NBC News, he said there's a real thirst for black superheroes. And he's correct. Marvel Studios President Kevin, Feige, uh, I think it's pronounced Fage, F-E-I-G-E, confirmed this week that a Black Panther sequel is in the works. So we don't know when the Black Panther sequel is coming out. We do know next month Avengers 3 comes out. Avengers Infinity War comes out April 27th. A lot of the film takes place in Wakanda. The Black Panther and other characters like Ramonda and uh, um, Nakia, played by uh, Lupita Nyong'o and General Okoya, played by uh, uh, Danny, uh, uh, Danny Gurira, they're, they're all coming back okay, for uh, Avengers Infinity War. Uh, so, um, Kevin Phage, uh, told Entertainment Weekly that there was, uh, nothing spe- specific to reveal about the next movie, but added that we absolutely would do it. So there's a, a, a sequel coming, of course. We figured that from the success from this. All right. So this is going to be a, this film is going to be a game changer when it comes to the type of films we see coming from Hollywood. We already know, if you see some of my broadcasts, we already know that, um, Lapita Nyongo, Who's in this film, who's in Black Panther, and uh, Viola Davis? They're going to be in a film about the African female uh, Amazon warriors from Dahomey, who were called the Mino. All right. AtlantaBlackStar.com has an article about this Lapita Nyongo and Viola Davis to star a movie about the real female warriors of Black Panther. So it's believed that the the African female warriors that you see in the film Black Panthers believe that they're based upon the uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Amazon the, uh, Amazon female warriors from Dahomey, okay? And uh, they basically existed from the 17th to the 19th century and fought against Europeans, fought against European encroachment. We see them involved in the Franco dahomian War uh, in 1890, and they were known to decapitate their uh, uh, adversaries in battle. So we see that film coming out. It's going to be produced by Viola by Davis's, um uh, by Viola Davis' uh, production company, along with her husband, uh, Julius Tenen, T-E-N-N-O-N. And the name of the film is called The Woman King, The Woman King. And, it, and this film deals with a real life, uh, deals with, uh, two real life figures, uh, a, 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 a mother and a daughter. Okay. Um, the general of the military, also known as the Mino, uh, the film will uh, follow Naniska, uh, who was uh, the general, uh, and her daughter, Nawi, N-A-W-I, played by uh, Lapita Nyango, who have battled the French along the near uh, along with nearby tribes, quote, who violated their honor, enslaved their people, and threatened to destroy everything they lived for, end quote. So we look forward to that film coming out because that is uh, a historical piece. You know, it's based upon history, and is based upon these African female warriors as well. So this film here is going to um, really expand the type of films that we see with predominantly African-American cast. And one of the criticisms of a lot of these movies coming out of Hollywood is that has been that either it's, uh, you know, I've talked about this before. i talked about how the movies that went, the the African-American movies that usually went critical acclaim. We're either a slave, a servant, or a stereotype. A slave, a servant, or a stereotype. So it's a movie like Precious. Uh, Monique won an Oscar for Precious. That's one of the most degrading movies for African Americans. Or it's a movie like Hustle and Flow, right? Hustle and Flow, uh, Three Six Mafia, won an Oscar Oscar for *It's Hard out here for a pimp. Or it's a movie like Training Day where Denzel Washington is a criminal. He's a, he's a, he's a rogue police officer. He's a, he's a bad guy. Uh, or it's a movie like uh, The Help, right? So The Help is about these about these African-American maids. You have a movie like that, or you have a movie like The Butler. all right? So oftentimes, these movies that went critical acclaim, they have predominantly African-American cast in the past were either a slave, a servant, or a stereotype. All right? So um this is gonna um help break that mold. We'll come to some of your comments here in, in just a minute. Uh I want to get to some of these other articles here. How's everybody doing today? Uh hey, this is uh this is to the, you're watching the African History Network. This is Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. Um oh, what the, all right. So there's another article. Um one to look at so Forbes had this article box office marvels black panther crosses one billion world worldwide that's from forbes that's from uh I think that's from today that's from the day March 10th uh 2018 and then you had um this other one it's a good article from Black Enterprise so you had these memes that popped up on social media from people saying, oh, the, the movie's made, hundred, you know, 500 million, this movie made 700 million, African-Americans aren't making any money off the film. That's not true. Maybe you're not making money off of the film, but that's not true. So we have this article from February 28th, 2018 from Black Enterprise Magazine. Black Panther movie success sends demand for African attire through the roof. Black Panther movie success sends demand for African attire through the roof. So this is about the third or fourth article I've seen like this. And this is a different company. There was one about Pan-African Connections in a a store in Texas. This one is uh, about a store uh, called uh, Calabar Imports in New York, okay, Calabar Imports in New York. And uh, the store owner's name is Atem Oton, O-T-O-N. And uh, she runs uh, Calabar Imports and she's and she said that she uh, prepared for demand for the film Black Panther ahead of time. OK. Um, so you have um, African-Americans going to the film wearing kente cloth, uh, wearing African garbs, et cetera. And she's let's see here. Let me scroll down. They show some of her. Um, Designs that she sells. She said, yes, we at Calabar imports planned ahead as we were expecting a spike in sales from our current customers and also new customers that we would gain during the period in our, in our three locations. She says she ordered several types of dashikis, clothing and jewelry ahead of time. Now, if you've seen some of my previous broadcasts and I've taught entrepreneurship for a number of years, I said success is where preparation meets opportunity. Success is where preparation meets opportunity. So we've known for four years that this film was coming out. Okay, so how did you position yourself to profit from the film? And then the character of the Black Panther we first saw in Captain America Civil War, which came out in 2016. So if you didn't know back in 2014, when it was announced that the film was coming out, you definitely knew in 2016 that the film was coming out. So it gave you roughly about two years, or a year and a half to prepare. So success is where preparation meets opportunity. How did you prepare yourself for success? She prepared herself. She stocked up. Okay. Uh, When I see stories from other um, uh, about other African American retailers and things like this that sell African garb, they stocked up. They saw this trend taking place. Now, uh, the Black Panther returns next month, April twenty seventh, in Avengers Infinity War. So you got a heads up. So if you didn't make money this time around, you got Another chance. You have another bite at the apple. How do you prepare yourself? How are you positioning yourself? OK, Um, so she says she ordered uh, several types of dashikis, clothing and jewelry ahead of time. She said, quote, we also made head wraps, headbands and scarves, which were bought, which were bought in middle January. When sales really began, she said, as we represent several designers, we brought out more of their clothing earlier in January, something we typically something we typically bring out in February. OK, so they stocked up ahead of time. OK, they're ahead of the curve. She said the release of the movie Black Panther has had a trickle down uh, effect on all of her businesses. At her bed uh, location on Tompkins Avenue and Madison Street in Brooklyn, New York, she said sales were up 60 percent. She said, we had more foot traffic, about 60 percent more than the week before the film's release. And sales were hitting numbers as high as 140 percent in each of the stores. Her other locations also saw uh, increases in sales. Sales went up 40 percent at her uh, Crown Heights location in Brooklyn, New York. And sales were up 40 percent in her Harlem location on 134th Street. And Frederick Douglass Boulevard. I've probably passed by her store because I've been I've been to Harlem and 134th Street. So i probably passed by her location. She went on to say that um, we also did a social media campaign on Instagram and Facebook around clothing options to wear for the movie. Ran a few slideshows and actually compiled looks and brought in fabric, which we don't sell as much anymore. Okay, so so they so they really prepared for this. They had a marketing strategy. They had a social media campaign. So they really prepared for this and it paid off for them. So success is where preparation meets opportunity. The people who are complaining that African-Americans didn't make any money off of the the film. That's not true. But those people complaining probably didn't prepare themselves. All right. Uh, So you can check out this article at uh, blackenterprise.com, blackenterprise.com. Uh, Black Panther movie success sends demand for African attire through the roof. This is from, uh, February 28th, uh, 2018. Okay. We'll post a link here on the thread of the broadcast here on, uh, on our Facebook also on our fan page. Okay. How's everybody doing? Share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. All right. Okay, so that was one of the articles I want to deal with. There was another one uh, I wanted to get to also. Okay, so we have the one from Forbes. we got that one from Huffington Post, Black Voices. All right, so you have this um, initiative called Wakanda the Vote. Wakanda the Vote. Now, Blavity.com had an article about this. Glavity.com, they have some good articles there dealing with African-American issues. And then you had um, Huffington Post, Black Voices, I think, had an article about this. And The Hill.com had one also. All right. So. Um, this article exclusive, these black women launched what hashtag what hashtag what kind of the vote to register voters at Black Panther screenings everywhere. And they said we will be registering people to vote at movie theaters across the country so that we can hashtag what kind of the vote at the uh, what kind of the vote at the ballot box. All right. So this is something that is, uh I think, unique because I don't remember hearing about uh people registering people to vote at the uh, theaters in the past. All right. But I also think that uh you should be able to vote at the liquor store because if we could vote at the liquor store when people pay when people play their lottery and their lotto and you can vote then because that's where a lot of people are we could change we can change a lot of these elections if, if black people could vote at the liquor store and the convenience store when they play their lotto and lottery because they'll stand in line to play their lotto and lottery right and, and 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 you know the $200 million pot in the Super Mega Lotto you got a 1 in 100 million chance of of, of winning but you standing there in line with money in hand to to, to, to pay to 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 play play the lot okay so uh this when we look at this article here from com, Black Panther is more than a movie for the black community it serves as a symbol for black joy and positive representation and three women are using its momentum in a productive way. So this article is from. Uh, God damn it! Why don't they write the? Why don't they put the Blavity? Look, if anybody knows anybody at Blavity, put the put the the date that the article came out. This thing says nineteen days ago. I gotta go count. Put the. <laughs> okay, <laughs> everybody. When when you all write articles, right? Put the date that the article came out. Okay. I write articles. This is a pet peeve of mine. Okay, okay. So this says nineteen days ago. So I got to count. All right. <laughs> okay. So in October two thousand uh, in October two thousand seventeen, Kayla Reed, Jessica Bird, and Rakia Lumumba launched the Electoral Justice Project, or the EJP. Which is a, uh, project by the Movement for Black Lives that aims to fight for and advance the rights of African Americans. Now, as part of the, uh, Electoral Justice Project, um, the, uh, now as part of the Electoral Justice Project's initiative, and to coincide with the much anticipated theatrical release of Black Panther, uh, the women told Blabity.com, that they are launching a new mission called Hashtag #WakandaTheVote, the vote, Hashtag Wakanda the vote. And this is an initiative that uh, plans to mobilize political engagement at several Black Panther screenings around the country during the first few weeks of the film's opening. So. Um, the Movement for Black Lives is an ecosystem of black leaders and organizations fighting every single day for the health, for healthy and happy lives of black folks. Uh, Bird and Reed told Blavity, they said we are uh, effective because we meet our communities where they are. We meet our communities where they are, whether that's in the streets, at the city council meeting or in the movie theater. So this article came out. Um, I think this was I think this was right, I think this article came out right after the film debuted. Film debuted February 16th, but there were some screenings February, uh, Thursday, February 15th. Okay. So they went on to say, hashtag this uh this weekend we wanted to meet our people in Wakanda. We know that for some it's a superhero world, but we know that the world we deserve is still waiting to be built. And we want to build it. The upcoming spring and November, uh, upcoming spring and November 2018 midterm elections are an important step to building that new world. And we want to take every opportunity to engage our communities in the conversation of electoral justice. We will be registering people to vote at movie theaters across the country so that we can hashtag Wakanda the vote at the ballot box. All right. Uh, so they went on to, uh, say that they have an important mission and a big vision for the Electoral Justice Project, which they said, uh, they launched in October, uh, to let the world know that they plan to use every tool available to fight for uh, African Americans. Uh, they said over 1,000 people joined our, at the time of this article, which came out, um, around, uh, February 17th, February 16, 17, somewhere around there. Over 1,000 people joined our launch call, and we've been building out an exciting campaign ever since. We will be engaged in actions all over the country to educate and motivate African-American voters, as well as launching an intensive campaign manager, uh, as well as launching an intensive campaign manager institute this spring called the Electoral Justice League. So you got the Justice League, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, The Flash. This is the Electoral Justice League. We intend to have uh thousands of conversations with African-Americans as well as uh build a fun and life-affirming political home that is transactional, that is not transactional, but transformational. Not transactional, but transformational, okay? Uh, so you can check out this article here from uh, Blavity.com. So this is um, uh, this is something that I don't remember seeing this before, something like this before, uh, focusing on registering people to vote at the uh, theaters. But this is, I mean, this is huge right here, okay? And you know, these are everyday people doing uh, extraordinary things. We'll post this link here on the uh, threaded. Also here, okay. All right, how's everybody doing? Go ahead and uh, post your comment. Share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in. Also, post uh, share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. All right. And be sure to follow our fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, okay? Now, we send out an email newsletter um, about five, I try to do it maybe five times a week, maybe six times. This is really good. Um, You can sign up for our email newsletter if you like this type of information. You want articles dealing with what's going on in the African-American community across the country. uh, Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word KEMET, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet. K E M E T. The two two eight two eight. To sign up for our email newsletter, you can also go to our website africanhistorynetwork.com. Africanhistorynetwork.com. Okay. I posted the uh, I posted the information here on the thread of the broadcast also, and it's in the description as well. All right. Let me go to let's go to some of your comments here. Uh, David Neely said, billion hashtag will kind of forever." That's yeah, a huge film. You see me with the print, with, you see me with the poster behind me. You see, I've got one of the Black Panther teachers. Oh, got to tell you. All right. March 24th, I'm doing an online lecture uh, dealing with the film Black Panther. March 24th, 2018, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, doing a um, um, online class. So we're dealing with the film Black Panther. It's analysis of the film Black Panther. Uh, we're dealing with and uh, we'll look at the, uh, the, the um, representation of African culture. We'll deal with African history. We'll deal with some background information on the film. Also, we'll do um, some background history on the Black, Cam- Black Panther comic book. Because to understand the film, to understand the film, you have to understand the Black Panther comic book. If you don't understand the Black Panther comic book, some of the storylines, some of the characters in the film, you wanna some of the characters in the comic book, you wanna understand the film. Okay. So I'm in deep research right now, preparing for the uh preparing for the uh online lecture. And you'll be able to tune in from around the world. It'll be ten dollars for the film. You can go back and watch it over and over again, like you can any of our online classes. Um so that'll be Saturday, March 24th, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It'll be about two hours, it may run longer, probably run longer, knowing me. Because this is a lot of research. I've read about, to date, about 90 articles dealing with the film Black Panther. I've seen it twice. Okay. So, um uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of information. All right. And we have a bundle pack for my online, uh, classes. We'll post a link here. So, this is a bundle pack where it registers you for five of my online classes, including the Black Panther one. Um, uh, that's, about uh, about $130 value for $80. Um, and the other, the other four classes are all on demand. So you can start watching those right away. And it, it'll also register you for the Black Panther, uh, class on, um, March 24th. Okay. So you'll get, uh, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Richard Nixon's war on drugs, how uh, Richard Nixon's war on drugs was war on the African American community. Great African Women in History, The Mothers of Civilization, African-American Resistance in the Era of Donald Trump, voter suppression, reparations, and how elections have consequences. And uh it'll also register you for the Black Panther film. So that's a bundle pack. It's a five DVD bundle pack uh for $80, okay? And this for uh, the online courses I teach, and they're on demand. You can start watching right away as soon as you register for it. All right, let me go to some of your comments here. If you need me post that link again, let me know. Okay, Allison said, are there any hashtag Black Panther t-shirts available on sale in Caribbean countries? Uh, I don't know about in Caribbean countries. I'm sure there are. I don't know about in Caribbean countries. Anybody know who's here uh, from the Caribbean? Uh, Darnell said that is a problem. What's the, what's the problem, Darnell? Naja said the film has really encouraged more people to learn where they come from in Africa. So if you wanna do DNA um, testing, right, um, use AfricanAncestry.com, AfricanAncestry.com, okay? Not Ancestry.com, AfricanAncestry.com. AfricanAncestry.com is different. Number one is African-American owned and operated, one. Two, they have a much larger database of uh, DNA and they can tell you not just that you're from West Africa, they can not, not just tell you the country, but they can also tell tell you the culture that you're from, the tribe. Uh uh Hausa, um, Yoruba, uh uh Wolof, what have you. Okay. That's the one that Chadwick Chadwick Bozeman used. If you saw the interview that Chadwick Bozeman did on the Breakfast Club and he had the conversation with Charlemagne the God. Charlemagne the God used ancestry.com. So he said, Oh, I'm from West Africa. But that's about as as specific as they can really get. AfricanAncestry.com is different. I'm working on setting up an interview with the uh, co-founder of AfricanAncestry.com also. okay, so that's the one. You may see some of their ads on Facebook. So if you want to do DNA testing, that's probably the one to look at. The ones that you see, a lot of the ones you see advertised on TV, that's basically for white people. All right. You can use them if you want to, but that's basically for white people. I'm just telling you okay uh maxine said what we can do will shock the world the sleeping giant is aroused yeah and 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 one of the things that the film black panther is doing is is captivating the imagination of african people about the possibilities as well many of them want to learn about their history learn about african culture etc because we see all that uh displayed in the film okay everything from the uh ritual combat to uh see who will be the king um, to um, um, references to revering the ancestors to uh bast the the panther deity Bast, which comes from Bastet, which comes out of ancient egypt, which is a a, a, a deity coming out of ancient Kemet or ancient egypt. Um, so you see a lot of African culture uh in the film. okay, let me see something here. Um, I'm trying to get some of your comments. Kevin uh, Kevin said Wakanda represents the New Jerusalem in my eyes. Okay. Not sure why, but okay. Um, Charles said, okay, Allison, hashtag Power to the people. If you have any questions or comments for me, let me know. CL Tisdale said, well, all I will say about the lotto, uh, you can't win if you don't play. Uh, Willie Daniels said, well, sometimes it takes a movie to spark the awareness. Well, you know, media impacts your circumference of awareness. Okay. What you read, see, and hear impacts the way and influences the way you think, feel, act, and behave. What you read, see, and hear affects the way you think, feel, act, and behave. So your thoughts create feelings. Your feelings create actions and behaviors. Your actions and behaviors create results. Okay. Your thoughts create feelings. Your feelings create actions and behaviors. Your actions and behaviors create results. All right. So, um, this is why film can either elevate your conscious level or dumb down your conscious level. Music can elevate your conscious level or music can dumb down your conscious level. So, when I was in college and when I was in high school and college, we were influenced a lot by conscious hip hop. Okay. Whether it's Public Enemy, whether it's the X-Clan, Poor Righteous Teachers, uh, KRS-One, Boogie Down Productions, um, you know, we were influenced by conscious hip-hop, all right? Conscious hip-hop became a very powerful force. It was elevating the conscious level of African-American youth. Many of It was causing many of us to want to go to college because if you go back and look at some of those uh, music videos, a lot of them were taking places on college campuses. You had the TV show A Different World on that was captivating our minds. And during the period of time that uh, the TV show A Different World was on, enrollment at historically black colleges tripled. You had the movie School Days that came out. okay? that and I saw that when I was in high school. And that caused a lot of us to, you know, uh, focus in on HBCUs. And then you had a Jasmine guy uh, in the movie School Days, Kadeem Hardison. And Ronald Bell, well, they're all on a different world. So so the media and art can either elevate a people's conscious level or it can dumb down their conscious level. So now we see with negative corporate hip hop. Right. We see that the messages have been dumbed down. And if you want to destroy a nation, you do it through the music because the music hits the youth first. So this is all psychological programming. And when you understand uh warfare and understand propaganda, you put these messages in the in the music to destroy the youth. So you you put messages of violence and drug usage and alcohol usage and promiscuity, right? If you if you want to do an experiment, if you want to do an experiment, I do this experiment at least once a month, right? Watch an hour of videos on BET jams, okay? Then watch an hour of videos on Fuse TV. Okay. On cable, Fuse TV, right? So Fuse TV, they'll show the videos, like the top 40 videos, right? Pop music, right? BT Jams, they basically show a lot of hip hop videos. If you do that experiment, you think you're on a different planet. You, if you, if you watch, if you watch an hour of the hip of the current hip hop videos and the hour of the current pop music videos, You think those videos were made on two different planets, because in in our videos, you're gonna see people with stacks of money. You're gonna see people making it rain. You'll see a lot more of the videos take place in nightclubs. You'll see uh, uh, a, a higher proliferation of alcohol in the videos, more references to violence, more references to guns, more references to killing, okay? Um, In a lot of the white videos, a lot of the pop videos, you're more likely to hear references to love, marriage, and relationships, whereas in a lot of the hip-hop videos, you're more likely to hear references to promiscuity, being with multiple women, okay? If you look, if you analyze the messages that you see being fed, you think they came from two different planets, but oftentimes they come from the same corporate conglomerate record company. If you want to dumb down a nation, you do it through the music. If you want to destroy a nation, you do it through the music because the music hits the youth first. So we have to explain to our youth. We have to show them these examples of how they're being targeted, how they're being set up to be destroyed. So one, they stop buying the music. Two, they go to the social media platforms that these corporate conglomerates have, their Facebook pages, Twitter pages, things like this, and post messages telling them to stop putting this stuff out or we'll launch economic boycotts against them. Just like, just like all these people. Now look at what just happened, right? You had 20 companies who severed ties with the NRA. It wasn't because they did it out of the kindness of their own hearts. It wasn't because they realized that what the NRA was doing was wrong because they have been with the NRA for years. They've been giving discounts to the NRA for years. It's because people went on social media and they were furious and they went to these social, they went to the websites of these different corporations. They went to the social media platforms of these different corporations and told them to sever ties with the NRA or we're going to stop supporting you. So you had 20 companies, everything from Delta Airlines to uh, Enterprise and Hertz, uh, rental cars. You had 20 companies that have have, have cut ties with the NRA, stop offering discounts to NRA members. Because, because people, because these companies feared these people launching economic boycotts and they did not want to be on the wrong side of this argument and on the wrong side of history. So we need to learn from this and understand the concept of redistributing the pain through targeted sustained economic withdrawal strategies. Okay. Because as long, as long as we allow them to put out negative hip hop like this and we don't say anything, they'll keep doing it. And if you notice, they don't market that to they don't market that type of music to their children. That is true. About 60, 70 percent of the hip hop is purchased by white, by white youth, white teenagers, things like this, early 20s, what have you. That's true. But they're not the main targets of the of the music. If they were, they'd have predominantly white artists doing the music. Their children are not the main targets. Our children are the main targets. Okay, so uh, go ahead and post your comments. We'll come to some more of your comments. But if you if you look at what's been taking place, and I've dealt with it on on some of my radio shows. If you go to ThinkProgress.org, ThinkProgress.org has an article. They deal with um, these are some of the uh, uh, these are some of the companies that uh, support the NRA, and they've been going through and they've been checking them off uh, as as each one uh, cancels their uh, relationship with the NRA okay what's taking place is huge and then because of the movement that has blown up since february 14th the movement that's blown up since february 14th since the uh parkland uh florida uh uh, killing at the schools right i think it was either thursday or friday in florida it was either thursday or friday you had the bill it was actually yesterday uh, uh governor uh Rick Scott signed the law the bill that passed the state legislature they're going to raise the minimum age to buy guns to 21 okay they ban bump stocks in the state of Florida Th- this i mean 4 weeks ago the me- measure that they just took was was unthinkable in Florida if you understand the history of Florida and understand that Florida was the first state that had stand your ground laws so there's a movement taking place and you have people putting pressure on corporations and fighting back. So we need to pay attention to what's going on. And I said, now, March 14th, I think it's March 14th, is National Walkout Day. You're gonna see more information about that. Remember, you heard this probably here first. So March 14th, National Walkout Day. So we just saw this past week, you had uh, students at a Baltimore uh, prep school who walked out and walked down the city hall to take their fight to city hall. We broadcasted it here on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. Well, March 14th, is a national walkout day plan for high school students, right? To draw attention to the need to change these laws and, and enforce common sense gun laws. So there's a, there's a movement taking place now. African Americans who've been fighting for common sense gun laws, and who've been fighting gun violence in Chicago and Detroit, things like this. They, this is the time to jump on this train and push your agenda also. This is the time to jump on this momentum and push your issue as well. OK. All right. Um, I'll give you one of the articles. I have a bunch of articles here and I got articles all over the place. Uh, hey, be sure to listen to uh, my radio show. I'm on Sunday nights. Uh, we'll be on tomorrow night, Sunday nights, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The African History Network show on 9, 10 a.m. the superstation. OK. Um, so if you look at the article from February 24th from um, NBC News more companies cut ties with the NRA after customer backlash. More cust- more companies cut ties with the NRA after customer backlash. I'm telling you, you'll be surprised what you can do. When you have groups of organized people who contact these companies and say, look, we buy your product. We don't like what's going on. We don't like what you're doing. If you keep doing this, we're going to stop buying your product. When people speak up, they can move mountains. More and more American businesses, including car rental companies and airlines and insurance giant and a major bank are severing ties with the National Rifle Association in the face of torrents of criticism from customers on social media. The backlash began on Thursday after the First National Bank of Omaha, which has an NRA branded Visa credit card, said in a statement that it had decided not to renew the contract. Shortly afterward, other companies announced they would end the NRA membership discount programs. So this, this was getting national media attention And it's being exposed that this corporation is associated with the NRA, this corporation. They don't want to be hit by negative backlash because there's pressure being put on them by customers. And they were also getting phone calls from customers, phone calls, emails. It wasn't just on social media, I guarantee you. Okay, Um, so check out that article. But uh, thinkprogress.org had one. Now, the other thing is, right, I talked about this uh, last Sunday on my show. A lot of people are invested in gun manufacturers and don't know it. A lot of people are invested in gun manufacturers and don't know it. Okay. And it's through their uh, 401k plans and their pension fund plans. So if you look at the article from uh, um, the New York times from February 26, 2018, you might be giving gun companies money even if you don't own a gun. Now, if you've seen some of my lectures in the past, uh, redistributing the pain, how African-Americans historically fought back with economic boycotts. If you've seen some of my presentations, heard me talk about this. i talked about this before, long before this happened. OK, I talked about how people are invested in gun manufacturers and also invested in privatized prisons through their pension fund plans and through uh their 401k plans and don't know it. All right. So. Uh check out this article. And, and what's taking place is people are divesting their pension fund dollars from gun manufacturers. Because they found out. See, so if you want to know where you're invested, contact your benefits manager at work, contact your benefits manager, have them look and see which industry your pension fund dollars are invested in, which industries your 401k dollars are invested in. Okay. And you can uh have those uh moved into other industries. Uh, look at this article here from thinkprogress.org. The NRA is being supported by these companies. Come for the discounts, stay for the opposition to common sense gun laws. This is from February 20th, but updated February 27, 2018. Okay. This is from uh, uh thinkprogress.org and they showed a number of uh companies that have severed ties with the NRA. Let's post this article here on the uh thread of the broadcast. Okay, how's everybody doing? How y'all like this type of information? Okay. Um, Janala said, look at the commercials. Willie said, no new music tells us to rebuild our communities and build wealth in our communities. Probably except 444 from Jay-Z. That's one of the few. Dane Dash calls them vulture cultures. Kimberly said, uh, David said, hip hop is totally corporate now. It's all about the paper, David Neely. Neely, um, the um, Kendrick Lamar is one of the few like conscious hip hop artists that are out there. Kendrick Lamar. Now, back in late 80s, early 90s, I don't even know if he would really be considered conscious. I mean, you had, you know, you had Public Enemy, you had the X-Clan, you had like real conscious artists. So even back then, I, I don't know if Kendrick Lamar would be considered conscious, but today he's considered conscious uh let's see here terry said it's all about the bottom line my brother this form of entertainment is making many individuals wealthy well it continues to make them wealthy as long as we continue to support our own and finance our own dehumanization when we understand what's going on and stop fighting back uh we can put a stop to this nail said what are they going to do about gun shows Well, um, there need when you have this is why there needs to be universal background checks for every gun sale, even at gun shows. There need there need to be universal background checks, even at gun shows. Okay. All right. Darnell said, "Been typing since my fingers were bruised. Black vote with our wallet. Stop giving money to folk who disrespect and discriminate us." I, I agree with that. And you hear me talk about, uh, the concept of economic guerrilla warfare, economic guerrilla warfare, uh, three main principles of economic guerrilla warfare. So it's a concept that I've coined. I deal with this in my uh, presentation dealing with redistributing the pain, uh, how African Americans historically fought back with economic boycotts, uh, redistribute, redirect or renegotiate, redistribute the pain through targeted, sustained economic withdrawal strategies. Um, uh, redirect redirect dollars to african american owned businesses so we can become the largest employees of our own people and um uh renegotiate our renegotiate our relationship with corporate america in the um uh, uh that deals with um Getting uh, vendor contracts for everything from security services to advertising to catering services to uh, janitorial services. There are billions of dollars they give out each year in vendor contracts, various corporations. OK. And so we need to leverage our dollars. And also um, the advertising media or mediums they advertise in, what percentage are going to African-American owned media as well. Okay, so redistribute, redirect, and renegotiate. Okay, so let me do this. Let me post a link here. So how y'all doing tonight? How y'all like this type of information? Posted, we just posted a link there. That's for our bundle pack of online courses that I teach, including Ancient Kemeth, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school, and it's uh four other classes that also enrolls you for the online class I'm doing March twenty-fourth, two PM Eastern Standard Time, uh dealing with the film Black Panther. An analysis of the film Black Panther. It's gonna be deep because I'm working on that. This is gonna be a deep, deep uh class. Okay. All right. So how y'all like this type of information? All right. Chuck the has been all uh, right. There hasn't been a night where your information wasn't helpful. Willie Daniel. Okay. Thanks. All right. So uh, what I want to do here, let me flip over here. Be sure to listen to my radio show uh, Sunday nights. I'm on Sunday nights, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you'll see me in the uh, actual studio, the radio studio of 9, 10, 9, 10 a.m. Superstation. All right. So I, I, I want to talk briefly here about the uh, uh, online course I teach Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Mahaffa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they didn't teach in school. So a lot of people want to lo- learn more about African history. This is what we do here at the African History Network, okay? I'm uh, the founder of the African History Network. You may have sent me in some documentaries. I'm in seven documentaries, maybe eight now, seven. Uh, Everything from the Black Friday documentaries from uh, director Rick Mathis to uh, resurrecting Black Wall Street, the blueprint to elementary genocide from um, elementary genocide, part three from uh, director Raheem Shabazz and others. So some people ask the question, right? So why is all this history important? Why is all this history important? Now, you don't ask a Jewish person, why is it important for them to study Jewish history? You don't ask a Chinese person, why is it important for them to study Chinese history? You don't ask an Italian, why is it important for you to study your history or an Irish person? Why is it important for you to study your history? Right. So a people's history and culture teaches them how to deal with the problems of the past in the present and the future to meet the needs of the community. A people's history and culture teaches them how to deal with the problems of the past in the present and the future to meet the needs of the community. Because things happen in cycles. And what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. Okay. All right. So we have studies that show the impact of. Our children being exposed to the history and culture, being exposed to uh activities that reaffirm who they are as african americans as black people and how it impacts their self-esteem how it impacts their academic performance okay this is one of the latest ones this is from uh there was an article from the root.com january 10th 2018 uh first article i saw about this was actually from december 21st 2017. so this article from the root.com is called new studies find that positive feelings about blackness improve academic performance for black girls. So believing that black is beautiful, an important mantra of self-acceptance and self-love could pay major dividends in school, a new study finds. An article in the Journal of Blacks in Higher Education focuses on a new study from Professor Sherita butler barnes who's a professor at Washington University in St. Louis, which finds that young African-American women with strong racial identity, strong racial identity, are more likely to be academically engaged, curious and persistent, okay? Which is going to mean, means basically they're gonna perform better in school academically. Strong racial identity, It it didn't say strong identity with Nicki Minaj and Cardi B, but African American women who have a strong racial identity are more likely to be academically engaged, curious and persistent. All right, let's continue here. Okay, so this survey looked at 733 uh, African-American uh, middle and high school students, uh, high school girls in three uh, socioeconomic uh, school districts in uh, the Midwest. And uh, this article appeared in the Journal of Blacks in Higher Education. So the name of the study is called Promoting Resilience Among African-American Girls, Racial Identity as a Protective Factor. Promoting Resilience Among African American Girls, Racial Identity as a Protective Factor. All right. And uh, it was uh, published on the website uh, of uh, the, the website of the Child Development Journal. And this study found that feeling positive about being black, along with feeling supported by their schools, correlated with the girls' greater academic motivation. Researchers also found that feeling good about your racial identity could act as a buffer for students in hostile or negative academic environments. Okay, And we can translate that to into the general public with the rise in white supremacy because of Donald Trump being elected and many white supremacists feeling emboldened. And and we see if you look at the Southern Poverty Law Center, you see a rise in a huge rise, increase in hate crimes since Trump was uh, became president-elect all right okay so there are various studies that show this type of, of, of impact that um, our children studying their history and culture how it impacts their self-esteem and performance in school persons of color who have unhealthy racial identity beliefs tend to perform lower in school and have more symptoms of depression. Okay, persons of color who have unhealthy racial identity beliefs tend to perform lower in school and have more symptoms of depression. We found that feeling positive about being black and feeling support and belonging at school may be especially important for African American girls classroom engagement and curiosity. Feeling connected to the school may also work together with racial identity attitudes to improve academic outcomes okay so you can check out this article at um, the root.com uh, new studies find that positive feelings about blackness improve academic uh, performance for black girls okay all right so you, you have this is just one of many articles dealing with the impact of uh, um, our children studying their history and culture the impact that it has on them okay all right now uh Let's continue here. So here's some. So we deal with some things like this. We deal with some other studies in the online class uh, that I teach. Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Here's another one. This came out in uh, 2012, 2013. Uh, Black teens with racial pride do better in school. Black teens with racial pride do better in school. Now, this was a joint study with Harvard University and the University of Pittsburgh. Harvard University and University of Pittsburgh, African-American teens perform better academically when their parents instill in them a sense of racial pride. African-American teenagers perform better academically when their parents instill in them a sense of uh, racial pride. Okay. Let's look at this here. Okay, so a new study by the University of Pittsburgh and Harvard University shows that when parents use racial socialization, such as as talking to their children or engaging in activities that promote feelings of racial knowledge, pride, and connection, it offsets racial discrimination's potentially negative impact on students' academic development. Okay, so this has a a impact on their confidence level in school, and it uh, offsets. Uh, racial discrimination's potentially negative impact on students' academic development, okay? It offsets them feeling inferior uh, in school. And when they talk about parents engaging in activities uh, that promote racial socialization, taking them to African-American History Month uh, celebrations, taking them to Dr. King Day celebrations, Malcolm X, taking them to Kwanzaa events, et cetera, having them, you know, read um, uh, books dealing with African history, African-American history, Et it has a big impact on their self-esteem which ultimately impacts their academic development This was a joint study from Harvard University and the University of Pittsburgh, okay? So here's some of the things that we deal with in uh, the online course And if you need me to post the link again, so you can register for the online course uh, let me know uh, post that here on, on Facebook and um, The the class is all on demand. I, I did it um In August and September 2017, and I've added some uh, new content to it um, uh, for you as well. Okay. Uh, So it's a 14 hour, it's broken up into seven sessions. It's a 14 hour, seven session online course. And um, I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have uh, video clips, articles, book references, everything. Okay. Here's some of the things that we, that we look at. We look at what was the trans, and oh, and I, I try to deal with things chronologically. So we deal with thousands of years of history. Okay. Uh, so we look at what was the transatlantic slave trade? What were some of the events that led up to the transatlantic slave trade, uh, taking place? Okay. Uh, what role did Christopher Columbus play? Christopher Columbus is extremely important to understand the transatlantic slave trade. The Africans known as the Moors, the 800 year occupation in Europe. And then that sets up Christopher Columbus to set sail on his four voyages and we know that Columbus helps to lay the foundation for slavery racism capitalism and the exploitation of indigenous people now the Portuguese are the first ones involved in the transatlantic slave trade right around 1440 but the Spanish are right behind okay Uh, when did Africans first come to the US as slaves because a lot of people talk about August 20th 1619 right Jamestown Virginia but a lot of people don't know that the Spanish were taking Africans into the territory with today day called South Carolina they were doing that in the 1520s almost 100 years before Jamestown Virginia that's not even talked about because the Spanish were involved in the transatlantic slave trade before the British were um, we do with did Africans sell themselves into slavery we do with that complicated history because there's oftentimes the actual history is not the way it's oftentimes presented oftentimes we are blamed for our own Holocaust, we're blamed for the slave trade, and that's not, that's not accurate. Um, we're African people in America before the slave trade. Yes, we were. We, uh, we've actually been here at least 51,700 years. Now, it does not mean the transatlantic slave trade did not happen. It means you have to understand the chronology of history. Uh, so we deal with the Moors. We deal with shocking archaeological discoveries that are causing experts to rethink everything, because you have these archaeological discoveries that come out each Almost every month. Right. We saw a couple months ago, the cheddar man uh, of uh, the oldest remains of uh, someone from Britain. And this is of an African person. But we know the Africans were the first ones in in, in Britain and Great Britain. We know that these were African people. Um, Insurance companies that took out insurance policies on slave ships and enslaved Africans on plantations. So this is that history is not talked about a lot. Right. We know that the New York Life Insurance Company was founded in the spring of 1845 in Manhattan. It started out as the Nautilus Mutual Life Insurance Company. Uh, in their first three years, they took out 508 uh, insurance policies on enslaved Africans on the plantations. Because, see, there were at least 262 skills, trades and crafts that African people had in this country from uh, 1619 to 1865. And these skills, trades and crafts were going to be used to build this country. Uh, and a lot of jobs that we had, you know, were dangerous jobs, working in sawmills, working on steamships, things like this. So you had some slave owners who took out insurance policies on their enslaved Africans who were working in these dangerous jobs. So when they died untimely, they would recoup three quarters of what they had invested in these slaves. So you had over 40 insurance companies in this country that showed, stole insurance policies on enslaved Africans. Okay, that, that, that's a uh, history that's not talked about a lot. Now the New York Life Insurance Company has been upfront in their involvement and provided a lot of documentation and things like this of their involvement. Uh, we talk about Freemasonry in America and the founding fathers because 56 of the, uh, 52 of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence were, um Freemasons. And we know that when you deal with the, uh, uh, Moors going into Europe right the teachings they take they're taking from ancient Kemet from ancient Egypt are laying the foundation for Freemasonry but also laying the foundation for the te- for what the Knights Templar are learning as well okay so you got to understand not just African history you also have to understand European history so we do a Freemasonry America and the founding fathers we do the origins of the term Africa and America as well because it's not what we think. The problem with slave movies, I talk about this a lot. A lot of people, a lot of African Americans, one of the reasons why the film Black Panther is so powerful and is doing so well is because so many of us are tired of seeing slave movies. And tired of us seeing us seeing being oppressed and uh being a butler or a maid or a slave or just trying to be, you know, just trying to fight to be treated like a human being. So with the African nation of Wakanda, we get to see what Africa could look like if it had never been colonized. In Ethiopia was never colonized by Europeans. Uh, last uh last Sunday on my show, uh, I talked about the Battle of Adwa in 1896 cuz March uh, I think about, about March 1st we celebrated the uh uh right around March 1st we were celebrating the uh anniversary uh 122nd anniversary of the Battle of Adwa where uh King Menelik II uh defeated the uh, the the Italians who were invading uh, Ethiopia. Ethiopia was never conquered by Europeans. Then 1935, 1936, Italy comes back uh, during uh in World War Two. Italy comes back and they occupy um, Ethiopia, but they're defeated again. Okay. So. Um, these are some of the type of things we do within the online course. We deal with Asar, Aset, and Heru. We deal with the origins of the Immaculate, Immaculate Conception story. The Greeks call them Isis, Osiris, and Horus. Um, we deal with uh, some of the origins of Christianity uh, a little bit. We deal with that. And uh why Christmas is celebrated on December 25th, okay? Because uh, this is one of the reasons why it's broken up into seven sessions, because I deal with um so much information and we deal with thousands of years of history. So this is Dr. David M. Hotel. this is one of the books I reference in the course. You don't have to buy any of these books or anything like that to follow along in the course, but this is one of the books I reference. So he's a friend of mine, I've interviewed him I think 11 times now, and his book came out in 2011, the first Americans were Africans documented evidence. He deals with the African presence uh, in this country going back at least 51,700 years. And in South America, going back at least 50 to 6,000 years ago. But um, in 2004, in Allendale County, South Carolina, Dr. Albert Goodyear, who is an archaeologist at the University of South Carolina, he made a discovery, groundbreaking discovery. And they found 13, uh, they, the, the book deals with 13 different disciplines, thoroughly documenting an African presence. In this country, going back at least 51,000, several hundred years ago. And these are the Khoisan. They have the oldest DNA on the planet. They come from southern Africa. Uh, they're the ancestors of the Ainu and the Twa. So here's what they found. They found artifacts, architecture, campsites, carvings, Egyptian writings, footprints and lava, genetic M174, the haploid groups dealing with uh, DNA and genetics, linguistics, paintings, skulls, skeleton structures and tools. 13 different disciplines, fairly documented an African presence in this country going back um, at least fifty-one thousand seven hundred years ago. Okay, so Shalanda said, "Is the eighty dollars for online classes or video?" No, it's it's uh uh the online courses, Shalanda. It is uh, five uh, online courses, including this one. Uh, it's a bundle pack, and that also enrolls you automatically in the online class I'm doing on Saturday, March twenty-fourth, two p.m. About the film Black Panther, analysis of the film Black Panther. So it, 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 it's, uh, 84, all five of those. Uh, we also have, um, forgot to tell you, there's so much going on. So much going on. I forgot to tell you, um, we have, uh, a bundle pack of DVDs also on sale right now. Some of you already know this at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. There's a lot going on. Um eight of my latest dvd lectures in a bundle pack of fifty dollars so we'll post that information also that's all available at africanhistorynetwork.com my website africanhistorynetwork.com um be sure to sign up for our email newsletter text the word kemet k-e-m-e-t to 22828 so i'll post the uh info here for the bundle pack of my DVD lectures, because Shalanda reminded me about that. She mentioned DVDs, it caused me to think about that. So you can check that out if you like, if you like uh, information in DVD format. That's eight of my latest DVD lectures. I have about 35 of my presentations on DVD. But, um, let me see something here. Okay, let me flip back over here. So we posted that there on the thread. All right, now. So this is Dr. Albert Goodyear, right? He's an archaeologist at the University of South Carolina. And this article is from ScienceDaily.com, which is a scientific journal. And it deals with uh, new evidence puts man in North America 50,000 years ago. New evidence puts man in North America 50,000 years ago. It deals with his discovery he did in 2004, uh, 14 years ago, many of our people don't know about this discovery when I do my presentations and I travel I talk about this many people don't know about this um let me show you this here I think it's here in the beginning right so this is one of the uh, I have done um, some uh, online presentations dealing with this topic here so this is this is uh one of the videos I'm adding to the bundle pack okay this deals with this, this deals with why Studying the history of slavery is so important the accurate history. So the history of slavery is only a small part of our history when we look at the grand scheme of things. We go back, say, the last 300,000 years, because uh, 300,000 years ago. Because one of the things we deal with in the class is this um, discovery that came out of Morocco, June or July 2017, of remains of Homo sapiens, modern man that date back. About 300,000, 350,000 years ago, found in Morocco, which is, to, which is totally blowing the archaeologists' mind, blowing their minds because that is over 100,000 years older than the oldest remains of modern man that they found in Ethiopia that date back uh, 195,000 years ago. So that discovery out of Morocco is totally. They, see, when these discoveries come out like this, and it, 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 and they're finding remains of, of of people where they were not supposed to be 300,000 years ago It's causing them to have to push the dates back It's causing them to have to rethink everything to push these dates back. And when you read some of the articles that I do within the class, they talk about how we're going to have to start looking for humans in places we never thought to look before. Especially going back further than we thought before. So, you know, Juvenile had a song back in like 1997, 1998 called Back That Thing Up. They keep having to back the dates up when these new discoveries come out. So the deeper they dig, the blacker the planet gets. The more research they do, the older we get. The more the deeper they dig, the blacker the planet gets. The more research they do, the older we get. They keep having to back that thing up. So this article right here, and I dealt with this in some of my African-American History Month presentations. This came out February 1st, 2018, last month. The first day of African-American History Month, right? This is from TheAtlantic.com. This is about a 52-page study from the Southern Poverty Law Center called Teaching Hard History, American Slavery. Teaching Hard History, American Slavery. Okay. And in the article, they have a link to the uh, study. And I'm going through reading the study now um, while I'm preparing for while I'm working on preparing for my presentation on Black Panther. So the name of this article is called What Kids Are Really Learning About Slavery? What Kids Are Really Learning About Slavery? So uh, one of the broadcasts that I did on this subject is in the um, uh, online Course, the bundle pack also of other online courses. Okay. Um, a new report finds that the topic is mistaught and often sentimentalized, and students are alarmingly misinformed as a result. Okay. So this deals with why the history of slavery needs to be properly taught in our schools, it deals with how it's being mistaught, it deals with um, the negative. Consequences of that, because the children who are in school today, these are gonna be future lawmakers, future police officers, future teachers, uh uh future hiring managers. Uh somebody's gonna be a future president. We see this current president has no understanding of history, especially the history of slavery, doesn't understand the Civil War. He said keep the Confederate monuments up. The Confederate monuments were put up largely to terrorize African Americans and to uh, uh, keep us in our place, our lowly place in in society. They were largely created to terrorize African-Americans if you look at when they were created. So to understand the, the, the circumstances that are taking place today, you have to understand the past. You have to understand the history of slavery, the Civil War, Reconstruction, the Jim Crow era, Plessy versus Ferguson, 1896, the Jim Crow era, the Great Migration, 1915 and 1960, World War One, World War II, the Civil Rights Movement, all that. You got to understand. You have to understand all that. And then Richard Nixon becoming president, elect in 1968, which was a backlash to the Civil Rights Movement, the Black Power Movement, the Affirmative Action, the Fair Housing Act, and any gains that African-Americans made. He was Richard Nixon was a, a white backlash to all of that. He ran on the platform of law and order like Donald Trump did. In June 7, 1971, Richard Nixon declared the war on drugs. War on drugs didn't start September 13, 1994 with the with the crime bill. Didn't start 1982 with Richard Nixon. That goes back to. Uh, it, it didn't start 1982 with Ronald Reagan. That goes back to June 17, 1971 with Richard Nixon. And law and order basically means to protect white people and lock up African-Americans That's basically what law and order means. Okay, so if we look at this here, uh, and this is why this type of information is so important. So this report from the Southern Poverty Law Center, what it did was uh, it said that uh, this comes from their teaching tolerance project, and it points to the widespread failure to accurately teach the hard and nuanced history of American slavery and enslaved African people. Collectively, the report finds that slavery is mistaught, mischaracterized, sanitized, and sentimentalized, leaving students poorly educated and contemporary issues of race and racism misunderstood. Now, this was a online study that consisted of uh, 1,000 US high school seniors, 12th graders and over 1,700 social studies teachers who taught uh, K through 12, okay? And the, the group, uh, the research group also reviewed 10 commonly used U.S. history textbooks and examined 15 sets of state standards to assess what the students know and uh, what educators are teaching based upon uh, the various standards, right? So this is a deep, deep study, okay? Now, here's here's some of the things they found. And this is shocking. okay? but now some of you all who are teachers may not be that shocking to you. Among 12th graders, among 12th graders, only eight percent of U.S. 12th graders surveyed knew that the Civil War was fought because of slavery. Only eight percent, not 80 percent, eight, only eight percent of 12th graders could identify slavery as the cause of the Civil War, okay? See, many of them thought it was because of states' rights. No, it was over slavery. And when you read the succession statements, the statements of succession from these states that seceded from the Union, they made it clear. They said it was about slavery. They talked about how slavery was central to their wealth, to their way of life. Only 32 percent could correctly name the 13th Amendment as the formal end of U.S. slavery because 35 percent thought was the Emancipation Proclamation. That was January 1st, 1863. That was the second one. The preliminary Emancipation Proclamation was September 22nd, 1862. That's not what ended slavery. It was it was it was it was the 13th Amendment ratified December 6th, 1865, adopted December 18th, 1865 after the Civil War ends. Civil War officially ends basically June 2nd, 1865. Only 46 percent of high school senior survey could identify the Middle Passage as the transport of enslaved Africans uh, across the Atlantic Ocean to North America. So they're being wholly miseducated. So then when you saw the debate over the Confederate monuments that took place, August, September November, December last year, you can see why so many people were misinformed about the Civil War. There was an article from BaltimoreSun.com. I played it on my radio show on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation. When it came to um, uh, this was dealing with taking down. This was dealing with uh, the I think this was dealing with the uh, defacing, defacing of the monument of Francis Scott Key in Baltimore, okay? Francis Scott Key wrote the Star-Spangled Banner. It was originally called Defense of Fort McHenry. That was September 13th, 1814, during the, uh, the, during the War of 1812, okay? And this battle took place in Baltimore, okay? Defense of Fort McHenry in Baltimore. And in Baltimore, there's a statue of uh, Francis Scott Key, okay? And then we know later um, it's going to be called the Star-Spangled Banner. But there's a statue there. So September 13th of 2017, that was the uh, uh, anniversary of um, him writing the Star-Spangled Banner. His statue early in the morning was the face. Paint was put on it. And then uh, uh, the third stanza was written on the uh, on the floor of the monument. Okay, on the uh, on the. Platform of the monument, um, no refuge for the hireling or the slave, right? That was written there. So they had comments from people there in the Baltimore area, and they were talking about the Confederate monuments and things like this, also, right? And you had one white male who said that um from his understanding, General Robert E. Lee fought to end slavery. No. General Robert E. Lee fought on behalf of the South. General Robert E. Lee was a slave owner. You don't fight on behalf of the South to end slavery. No, the the, the South went to war to maintain their slaves. So because people are miseducated in the schools, they come out into the real world and they're miseducated. And your thoughts create feelings, your feelings create actions and behaviors, your actions and behaviors create results. So what a lot of people don't know, and I've done, I've done presentations dealing with all of this. So this is one of my lectures here. The racist history of the white national anthem and the pledge of allegiance. The racist history of the white national anthem and the pledge of allegiance. This is one of them. So in the eight DVD bundle pack that we have on sale now, you get this one here. This is a three hour presentation. I deal with the history of the, National Anthem and the Pledge of Allegiance and all that stuff. Right. Then another one. This deals with the real story of the Confederate monuments, why they were built. um, The history of the Confederate monuments, things like this. And it deals with General Robert E. Lee and why General Robert E. Lee was against both of them. General Robert E. Lee was against Confederate monuments being built after the Civil War ended. And he was against using the Confederate flag after the Civil War ended. Okay. So here's the crazy thing. Right. August 12th, 2017, in Charlottesville, Virginia. Okay, you have the Unite the Right rally. You had 12 white supremacist organizations, 12 white supremacist organizations that came together under the disguise of preserving the General Robert E. Lee Confederate monument. Okay, there in the park, and then this is where the the the, um, the the white female protester Heather Hare, was killed when you had this idiot who drove his car into the crowd. All right, what most of these white supremacists don't know is that General Robert E. Lee was against erecting Confederate monuments. So how are you going to have a rally to preserve a Confederate monument, a General Robert E. Lee? who was against erecting Confederate monuments in the first place. It doesn't even make any sense. So then when you look at a lot of the white supremacist organizations, when you look at a lot of their flags, they use the, what they think is the Confederate flag, the flag that was on the General Lee car on the Dukes of Hazard TV show, General Lee. The the, the name of the car on the Dukes of Hazard TV show was named after a slave owner who took up arms against the Union and create and committed treason. This is why the car is called General Lee. It's named after General Robert E. Lee of Virginia. The flag that's on the car, we think is the Confederate flag. That's not the Confederate flag. When you study the history of the Confederate flags, there were three flags that flew over the Confederate States of America from 1861 to 1865. That flag that's on the General Lee car was never one of those flags. That's not the Confederate flag. That's the Confederate battle flag of Northern Virginia under General Robert E. Lee's army, and also some smaller armies. Okay, so I deal with all that in this presentation here. So this is why when you look at, so this is why this presentation—the real story of Confederate monuments, the Confederate flag, and why Robert E. Lee was against them. Okay. So, um, so in the in the eight DVD bundle pack, that's one of the DVDs in there. That's on sale fifty. We had a forty-eight hour sale going on this weekend. If you need me to post a link for any of this stuff, let me know again, and I'll post a link. And then also in the um, online course, uh, understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, all that that presentation is in the online course. It's one of the videos, okay? Because this is like this is um, there's the course is uh, fourteen hours, and there's twenty hours of bonus content. All right, and when you do the uh, bundle pack of the online courses, uh, the bundle pack of the five online courses for $80, there's like a ton of stuff you get in there. Um, we'll post that link again, It's a ton of stuff you get in there. So those are some of the, um, but that um, that's one of the bonus, uh, that's some of the bonus content, the, the presentation I did dealing with the history of the Confederate monuments. So you sit back and look at some of these white supremacist organizations, you almost feel sorry for how ignorant they are. You out, and the other thing is, um, Charlottesville, right? Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, that's named after Queen Charlotte Sophia, who was the wife of King George III. She was of African descent. This is during the American Revolutionary War. The, the, the Charlottesville, Virginia is named after an African woman. So you have white supremacist organizations in a city named after an African queen. OK, Queen Charlotte Sophia was the wife of King George the This is during the American Revolutionary War. This is who the British are taking up arms against. This is who the, the 13 colonies, the British colonies are taking up arms against and fighting against King George the So you have these white supremacist organizations in a city named after an African woman, fighting to preserve a Confederate monument, honoring a man who was against Confederate monuments. And they're flying a flag that they think is the Confederate flag is not even the Confederate flag. This is what happens when you're miseducated. See, this is what happens when you're miseducated, okay? When you have bad information, you make stupid decisions, okay? All right. So, all right. Uh, Ann said, do you have what you're talking about in book form? Okay. I don't have it in book form yet. People are asking me to write books. I don't have it in book form yet. Okay. We do have it in the online course and you can watch it over and over again. We have it in DVDs. Don't have it in book form yet. I got it. I have to slow down and and, and um, write the books because uh, the I have I have the books in me we have to slow down and write the books okay um so let me see some here five uh, course all right so this is here okay and um And then also, if you want um, the DVDs, we have a 48-hour sale. We'll post that link again. Also, uh, it's an eight-DVD bundle pack of mine, and uh, that has some of these uh, DVDs we're talking about as well. All right. So back to this. You need me to post anything? Uh, let me know. All right. Post that again. It's just 24 hours left in the um, sale. Sale on the DVD bundle pack. All right. So let me flip back over here to this PowerPoint presentation and let me know if you have any questions. Okay, so this is Lupita Nyong'o, because in the class I deal with uh, colorism and I deal with Lupita Nyong'o and how when she was younger, she grew up in Kenya. When she was a little child, she prayed to God each night that he would make her light skin because she felt inferior and did not like her dark skin. And this is a beautiful system and those and those that know me those that really know me know i, I love dark-skinned women. this is a beautiful system of Nyong'o, all right okay, so uh you know we she's in Black Panther we first saw her in twelve years of slave all right, so in the class we do uh archaeological we deal with a number of archaeological discoveries um that have, that have been discovered recently we deal with the eight hundred year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors, what they took into uh Europe when you look at this right here, right the Washington monument is an ancient African symbol. So we we see the um, uh, Dr. King monument and you'll see in the background, the Washington monument, which is 555 feet tall, named after uh, uh, in honor of George Washington. But this is an ancient African symbol called a Tekken. The Greeks call it an obelisk, which comes from the um, the story, the mythology of Asar, Aset and Heru, who the Greeks called Osiris, Isis and Horus. And it comes from, um, Asar's body being cut in the, cut up into 14 pieces, distributed throughout Europe throughout Egypt. Um Osset recovers 13 of the pieces. Um Asar is resurrected, but the 14th piece, the phallus, is missing. So she erects the uh, Tekken, which is a symbol of uh, resurrection, um in honor of, of, of the pieces missing. So there were 1,200 new throughout Kemet or Egypt, Kemet meaning the land of the blacks when the original names for Egypt. Okay, today there are only about 12 left. Um, Okay, so when we look at Freemasonry, right? The word Mason is derived from the Latin words, mass and sun, Mason means child of light and expresses the desire to pursue light, which is a metaphor for the sun, which symbolizes knowledge. Uh, The term child of light or sons and daughters of light was first used to identify students who had completed 42 years of study in the temples of ancient Kemet. Many Masonic temples were modeled after the temples of ancient Kemet. Places where light or knowledge was imparted in a series of steps or degrees. So when you, uh, for for years, um, the, for years light was associated with knowledge, okay? And it was actually the Africans, the Moors, who were taking uh, light into the dark continent. Europe was in the, was was the dark continent because they were in the Dark Ages. All right. Africa was not the dark continent. Europe was the dark continent. So if you see a cartoon and you see the cartoon character get a, a bright idea, right, even bright, bright associated with ideas. OK, you see a light bulb go off over their head because light is associated with knowledge. If you have a child that's not bright, you say that's a dim child, a dim-witted child, meaning lack of light, Light, uh, uh, darkness being associated with ignorance. So check out Egypt on the Potomac by Tony Browder. He deals with this in Egypt on the Potomac and a lot more. OK, so we deal with all this in the class. We deal with uh, 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 the Black Madonna and Child. Because uh, the African woman was worshipped all throughout Europe at one time. The African woman was worshipped all throughout Europe before the rise of white supremacy, before the late um, 14th, uh, before, before the late 1400s, early 1500s. The African woman was worshipped through, throughout Europe. And then you have the decolorized version with the rise of white supremacy and the rise of the European phenotype. You have uh, the uh, rise of. Uh, white supremacy, you have a decolorization that takes place to these, to these historical and mythological figures. All right. Uh, we deal with why Christmas was celebrated on December 25th. We talked some about Dr. Francis Quest Wilson and Nellie Furlow, who taught us if you do not understand European white supremacy and racism, what it is and how it works, everything else that you think that you understand will totally confuse you. Okay. Uh, this is Dr. Linda Jeffries, one of my teachers who teaches us whoever controls the images controls your self-esteem, self-respect, and self-development. Whoever controls the history controls the vision. There's a lot we deal with in the class. That's why it's seven sessions, 14 hours. That's why it is about 20 hours of bonus content. Um, this is very important. This is the, this is the, uh, pyramid con, the pyramid, uh, principle. Uh, Professor Jane Small and Dr. Linda Jeffries, who are two of my teachers, when they teach, they talk about the pyramid principle, right? So the pyramid has three sides. The foundation is African history and culture. This gives us our VIPs, our values, our interests, and our principles, African history and culture. This impacts uh, the two sides of the pyramid, economic empowerment and political empowerment, all right? It does not matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much money you have. If this foundation is not in place, you won't know what to do with the money, okay? So we have an economy of about 1.2, 1.3 trillion dollars. 97% Ninety-seven percent of that is spent with people that don't look like us because that foundation is not in place, okay? So we deal with was Africa name, after the Publius Quineus Scipio Africanus, because it was not origins of the word America, all that stuff. This is Stephen Biko, one of our great South African freedom fighters, who said that the most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. The most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. So we have a a, 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 a a class where we deal with the, you know, the Moors and who were the Moors and, you know, they were descendants of the Garamantes uh, who, who lived throughout North Africa. Hannibal Barker was Garamantes, St. Augustine. So we deal with a lot of this. Uh, we deal with what the Moors took into Europe, the impact they had on Europe, how they saved Europe, brought Europe out of the Dark Ages. Um, something very important is not just Columbus, but where Columbus went on his four voyages, okay? And when I do my presentations dealing with African-American History Month, this is why I explain to our parents that we have to stop lying to our children and telling them that Columbus discovered America. So you have some people to say, well, you know, Native Americans were in the areas where Columbus went. So how could you discover, you know, somewhere where the already people are? Well, that's that's true. But the number one reason why Columbus did not discover the land we call America or the United States of America is because Columbus never came to the land we call the United States of America. The closest he came here was Cuba, which is 90 miles away. So this is why like in Detroit, downtown Detroit, there's a statue, there's a bust of Christopher Columbus. I don't know why the hell why he never came to this land. Why do you have a bust of this master genocide? So when you look at where he went on his four voyages, he goes into the Caribbean, he goes into Central America, South America, he goes into Cuba in 1492. The closest he came here was Cuba, which is 90 miles away. He never came to this land we call the United States of America. And as Dr. David M. Hotel deals with in his book, The First Americans Were Africans, documented evidence, at least 70% of the people Columbus encountered on his four voyages were African people because we were already in those areas. This is something that a lot of people don't know we were already in those areas, okay? Does not mean that the transatlantic slave trade did not happen, some people jump off the deep end and try to say, oh, because we were already there, the transatlantic slave trade didn't happen. No, this is why you need to understand the last 50,000 years of history as opposed to just the last 500 years of history. Yes, it existed, but we were in those lands and we were already here, okay? Just Just because the Irish come to the U.S in the mid to late 1840s, because of the Irish potato famine that hits in 1845, does not mean that there were not Irish already here in the 1700s, because there were. You have to understand the chronology of history. Okay, so these are some of the things we do. with. We do with the origins of racism, because racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race that comes out of the ideology of white supremacy. Racism has nothing to do with not liking people or calling people racial epithets. That's, that's bigotry. See, most of our people don't understand what racism is, so we don't understand how to fight it. Racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race that comes out of the ideology of European white supremacy. Okay, so we do. Well, what was the transatlantic slave trade? We we go deep into that. Uh, Last from the 1440s to 1865. Uh, We deal with uh, some um, historical events that lead up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. We do the triangular trade. What was the Middle Passage? Uh we do it the did Africans sell themselves into slavery, uh cultural servitude system versus chattel slavery, the role that insurance companies played. Uh we do it, some of the uh talk about some of the slave revolts that took place, slave rebellions as well. The father of modern gynecology, this is deep because see there were medical experiments done on enslaved African people, because you can say no, you can refuse, you can take a sick day. J. Marion Sims, the father of modern gynecology, who did horrific experiments on enslaved African women. Talk about Ghana, Shanghai, and Mali, the three great West African kingdoms, right? And the invasion of the Almoravids, who were one of the three uh, Moorish dynasties, the Almoravids, the Almohads, and the Umayyad dynasty. But the Almoravids, who were Islamicized Africans, religious zealots, man, they invade Ghana twice. They invade in uh, 1054 and 1076. This weakens Ghana and leads to Ghana's fall. Okay, so uh, we do the fake Willie Lynch speech of 1712, because Willie Lynch never historically existed. I should, I wish, you know, some of these myths we, we need to throw in the garbage can. The black John Hansen was president. No, he wasn't. There were two John Hansons. I've dealt with this. You've seen my presentations on that. The Willie Lynch letter, 1712. Willie Lynch never historically existed. That was written in 1970 by Dr. Quabina Ashanti. There's the, language in the Woody Lynch, there are words in the Woody Lynch letter that didn't even exist in the early 18th century. Willie Lynch never historically existed. Come on. <laughs> All right. So I deal with uh, my interview with Professor Manu and Pam, where we broke that down. Uh, so this is just this, this is just tip of the iceberg. Some of the things we deal with. Right. We deal with some of the origins of the negative stereotypical images that we see in the media. Going back to. 1828, 1829, Thomas Dartmouth Rice, T.D. Rice, who created the Jim Crow character, he's known as the father of the menstrual shows. He basically creates the menstrual shows, right? And these menstrual shows were designed to lampoon and make fun of African people. He, he, he uh, uh, the, the, the myth is that he sees an enslaved African boy, a young teenage male, tended to uh, uh, animals. And he's singing this song, turn around, jump around, I jump just so. Every time I turn around, I jump Jim Crow. So he puts on tattered, torn clothing, blackface, adopts a southern dialect, okay? And he creates this Jim Crow character. Well, this becomes a big hit. And then you have all these other white men doing the same thing, these white entertainers. This is how the menstrual shows are created. This becomes one of the top forms, if not the number one form of entertainment, in the country not just the south but also the north okay the, the 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 uh the menstrual shows all right so this is just the tip of the iceberg of uh what we deal with in the online course ancient kemet the moors and the ma'am understanding the transatlantic slave trade what they didn't teach you in school okay so um i'm gonna post the link again we we have a five uh, course bundle pack. Uh, five online course bundle pack. So you get to so that course understand the transatlantic slave trade, right? Uh, you get uh, great African women in history, the mothers of civilization. You get uh, what's the other one? Uh, Richard Nixon's war on drugs. You get uh, African American resistance in the era of Donald Trump, voter suppression, reparations, and high elections have consequences. And it also enrolls you in the March 24th, 2018 class that I'm doing Saturday, March 24th, 2 PM uh, about the film Black Panther, analysis of the film Black Panther. So that's on so sale right now, $80. That five online course bundle pack. Uh, all the courses are on demand. You can start watching immediately. The Black Panther, of course, being that's taken March 24th, hasn't happened yet, but there's a video of me talking about Black Panther. You can start watching right away also in that bundle pack, okay? All right. Um and then also you can go to our website africanhistorynetwork.com and register as well. Um, you can register there as well africanhistorynetwork.com if you just want to um register for the online course um ancient Kemet, the moors and the Mahafa, understand the transatlantic slave trade. That course by itself is $50. And then what I did was I did a bundle pack where we throw in some of the um other courses. We throw that in for 30 if you wanna do a bundle pack, okay? All right, if you need me to post any of these links again, let me know, how's everybody doing? Uh, Michael Smith, how's it going? Kevin, Killmonger's character wasn't an Israelite all day, really? Interesting. He was half Wakandan, really, interesting, okay. Uh, Jack, uh, Jackie Williams, I have the book, Medical Apartheid, yeah, I'm familiar with that book. Uh, Kay said, I'm well aware, but the millennials are letting are letting this history arrive. That's why I call my God my creator. All right, knowledge is indeed par said Harvey. Um uh, uh, what do you think about Hebrew Israelites doctrines? I don't mix religious literature or world history. Religious literature and world history are two entirely different things. If you don't understand the difference, you're gonna be confused. Okay. All right. And then uh, also we have the um, eight DVD bundle pack. Uh, it's like twenty four hours left in that sale. Um, eight of my latest DVD lectures on sale for fifty dollars as well. Check that out also. Okay, and hey, you can go back and watch this over and over again. Um, we post that link there. I got to get out of here. If you have any other questions, let me know. You can still post your questions here. I'll uh, answer your questions also. Um hey, remember, at the African History Network, we focus on educating and and inspiring people of African descent. Throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct wrong behaviors, not over till we win. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. All right, gotta get out of here.